Welcome to The Code Hanger on 2SER 107.3. Hey, do you remember this? I just want to hear who you think is going to win on the weekend. M. Adelaide. Nat. Yep, Adelaide for sure. Easily. Kiwi. Adelaide. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want Brisbane. It's their third friggin' grand final. It's surely their time has come. Why not? Why can't they have it? Why can't you we know, have nice things? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Today's show is brought to you uh, by Metcalf's Coat Hanger on Jess Wushner in the third quarter. This is the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show on 2SCR 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm joined by... Emma Phillips, talking to you tonight from Ngunnawal country. And Nat Morgan, Gadigal land, and I'm just wiping humble pie off my mouth, so. <laughs> Tracy Kick from Darawal land, and what a shame I wasn't able to be in the program last week. <laughs> well, you what would you have said, collect. Trace? <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> Brisbane by 18? <laughs> I would have said Brisbane by 17.5 and been 0.5 off. <laughs> <It's> very humble <laughs> of you. <laughs> okay, so we're hoping that we'll be joined by uh, Coach Kiwi a little later. She's just coming off the, the ground coaching. In this week's show, we look at highlights from the grand final. Aha! Um, we acknowledge pl- player retirements. There are quite a few. We talk about the part-time nature of employment for players and its implications. We tip our best and fairest. And we preview our shop final show focusing on the Sydney Comp and Academies. But first, it's time to listen to the sound of one hand eating out humble pie, or perhaps three... And Trace, it's your time to shine. Let's talk highlights. I'm going to start with the foot of God, a.k.a. the uh, right foot of Courtney Hodder. She's what unbelievable. That, eh? <laughs> She's unbelievable, Fee, I, I keep think. replaying She's... it and replaying it and thinking... Sometimes I think she's just thinking, oh, I'll just have a go. And other times I'm thinking, no, she knows exactly what she's doing and she knows she's going to get that uh, that goal. It was <laughs> – we were uh, – I saw that Alison Smirnoff from This AFL Life tweeted that uh, she was at a pub and the pub was on its feet at that moment. And uh, M and I were indeed at a pub and the same thing happened. Everyone just leapt to their feet and screamed. It was just instinctive, wasn't it, to get out of yep. your chair and throw arms in the air. What a sensational yeah. goal. I know our dog Alice had to keep running into the other room because we kept yelling at the TV. And she... <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't scream or yell because I was sitting on the side of the road in the middle of absolutely nowhere and uh, I had to drive out of, you know, the valley of silence to get some service. But I did actually get to see that goal and so I had a quite little fist pump to myself so as I didn't look like some lurking stalker on the side of the road outside the kids' <laughs> playground. So uh, it was brilliant and I think she did mean to do it and I actually think that little burst of speed, she timed a run. She didn't bolt after it. She waited for it to bounce and see what the ball did. She's uh, very clever, knowledgeable, skillful, but also uh, I'd say she works hard at her game as well. She's uh, welcome to the big league, Hodder. Yep, nothing like practice to uh, make you have a whole lot of flukes in a game. <laughs> oh, I, I could practice every day for 10 years and I don't think I kicked that goal like Hodder did. <laughs> she <laughs> has natural, amazing talent. Trace, what are some of your highlights? 
Oh, look, um, so many highlights. I think the hotter goal, like that got us off, off the couch and really revved us up, that's for sure. But, I mean, just on her, I think she kicked eight or nine goals for the season and every one of them was eligible for goal of the year. She's freakishly good, not flukishly good. Um, I think the highlight for me was just the pressure around the ball that the line's brought generally it was so intense and it was evident in the tackles 52 to 76 um there's that little magic formula you talk about which is tackles um efficiency and pressure um possession and in that regard um brisbane won every time and crows had seven shots from 44 inside 50 so the highlight for me was the combination of um Conan, um, Campbell and Lutkins, the defence was incredible. Yeah, Trace, look, just on that point, there's a stat that came out of the match and everybody's been talking, of course, about how fabulous the defence of Brisbane was and their tackle pressure across the ground right the way through the game. But this stat that came out for me was so remarkable. They had, uh, Adelaide had 44 entries into 50 and only seven shots on goal. So that's a 16% return. Now, Brisbane, by comparison, had nine shots on goal from 24 inside 50. So they were running at 38%, which is a bit more normal. But 44 entries and only seven shots just says so much about what you're saying, Trace, for those, especially those big three defenders. I think that is a And usually when when Adelaide gets in the forward 50, that's a guaranteed goal. It's normally... That's right. It's written... They're a group of very quality forwards, aren't they, who deliver it into the forward line, you know, beautifully as well. So, yeah, look, I, I would use that vision, I think, the whole game to, to show any young footballers what tackle pressure can do for your team. What's the saying that forwards win matches but defence wins grand finals? Is that the saying? And, I think uh, you just made that up, I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> well, I've got it on a tattoo on my arm, but uh, no, no, no. It's, um, and I reckon that's exactly what happened, wasn't it? The pressure um, and Brisbane, I think, had every single one of their players contributed, whereas not every single one of Adelaide's players contributed. And it is a team game and everyone played their role for Brisbane. It was almost like the perfect storm. They did everything right. Every, you know, everything just worked for them. I mean, they obviously worked hard for it as well, but it was their day. Uh, and you almost sort of felt that from the beginning. I don't know what it was, but, you know, when Hodder was getting a goal. She was revving up the crowd big time with the double fist pumps towards them. And I think Lauren O'Neill did it too. But my highlight, I, to me, the player who I enjoyed watching the most was Jess Wushner. Her goals, her uh, tackling, her sort of, her, I don't know whether it was aggro or what it was. I, I just thought she did some really key things at important times of the game. And so she was my highlight. Trace? Yeah, and that's uh, signs of Jess Wushner of old, really. I mean, since her her lightning strike, I can remember doing doing the matchups for Brisbane when I was at GWS, and she was a massive target because she was dangerous as all hell. Um, so I, it was great to see her hit her form, and I guess you know the big games, the big stars. I thought Dakota Davidson was held very well um, by Sarah Allen, but I wonder also too if that was a little bit strategic because Dakota didn't come up the ground that high and kept Sarah Allen a little bit out of that uh, intercept defence role. So that was interesting. I, I I do hats off to Craig Sarsovich, fantastic coach and coach of the year. Coach of the Year. Yeah, well uh, they managed to keep Erin Phillips quite quiet, although they've now um, said that she's she's been playing in discomfort 
um, for a number of games. And yeah, Kate Luckins surgery. was playing in discomfort as well. <laughs> it's just pain, she said. Just pain. It's only pain. It's only pain. <laughs> just a scratch wound. How significant do we think the, the, the Chelsea Randall factor was? I mean, people ask asking after the game in the pub. You know, do we think that was the difference? What do, What do you all think? No, I don't think it was the difference. But I, you, now that you've mentioned her name, I do want to say um, she. There's an article out today on the AFL Women's um, website where she said, with 90 seconds to go, she still thought that they could get up and win. And I and I just want to suggest that perhaps she should have, have that concussion test again because I don't really think that was very realistic. <laughs> Not reality, you don't think. She had no. No, she'd lost all grip. Yeah. <laughs> Look, they tried everything, every trick in the book, didn't they? They dragged the three-quarter time huddle across to the boundary line to, so that Chelsea could address them because as she wasn't a registered player, she wasn't allowed onto the field. And so they dragged the huddle across to the side of the ground so that she could try and rev them up. And it worked. I think um, uh, Jones kicked the very first goal, Eloise Jones, um, at the start of the fourth quarter. And actually Adelaide had the ball in their 50 for the next 10, 11 minutes. It wasn't until... I think the uh, four minutes to go, and in fact, I think Considine gathered the ball. It had just trickled into the 50. And did you see Cathy Spark do the best one-handed jumper tackle and drag it to the ground and held the ball up? And that was, I think, just a, like the, that effort at the end to just say, you're, you're not taking this, Adelaide. This is ours. And mm. it, was, uh, it was probably a fitting end, I think, because Spark's had a terrific year, hasn't she? Fantastic. Um, I mean, the only real known tagger in the business in terms of AFLW because it's not a strategy that's employed very often. Um, 16 aside can impact your choice to to play a tagger as well. But yeah, Nat, I think I, I was on the edge of my seat for that first 10 minutes because they really were up and about and yep. I thought oh, if they kick a couple in a row here, look out. But um, to, to Brizzy's um, credit, they just held on and held on, kept forming you know, stoppages and stoppages and getting it out over the boundary and doing all the things that waste time. So, yeah, Did it feel to you as if there were more um, instances of, of Adelaide players getting caught with the ball than usual? It seemed to me that there were and, and that, that that was a symptom of their indecisiveness that was brought on by Brisbane's fantastic um, defence. The old perceived pressure, isn't it? That Brisbane put enough pressure on early that Adelaide were looking over their shoulder and second-guessing themselves. And so often they didn't take the first option. They hesitated yes. and they got, got caught. Yep. Or didn't deliver as they normally would. Yeah. Final thoughts, Em, on that topic? Just wanted to give a very quick shout-out to Kate Luckins. I know she's obviously got a lot of accolades in the past couple of days, given that she took out the best and fairest on field during the grand final. But how great is it that a defender has taken that medal in a grand final. It's so often the run and carry players. And she is, I've said this before, one of my favourite players across the league. So very happy for Lutkins to take that out and represent the defenders too. Well, I mean, normally it's a blonde midfielder. This time it's a blonde defender. You know, we're, we're getting Didn't close. used to be blonde. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've had a few retirements, haven't we? So let's have a look at the... Let's talk. actually talk about Lauren Arnell and... Emma Zilke. So Emma Zilke um, announced her retirement after the game. She had said that if they win, she's out. She wanted to, to leave on a high. And so she hasn't. So now Lauren Arnell, Emma Zilke's been there since the start. Lauren Arnell hasn't, but she's been a significant um, 
contributor to to the um, team. So the loss of those two players is significant. And a brief cheerio to Lisa Kiwi Roper, Coach Kiwi, who's just joined us in the van after coaching. Where were you today, um, Kiwi? Um, out at St Kilda's where we're based for our Sandringham boys. So, Sandringham um, boys. Yes, recovery and uh, review tonight. We've just come out of a very hot and steamy um, theatre here at St Kilda. Be- because of the atmosphere or because of what you were looking at? <laughs> I think someone has turned the heater up and it's actually not cold. <laughs> it's, All right. It's well, you've just, in you've just come into um, our discussion on, on retirements. So what are your thoughts on Lauren Arnell and Emma Zilke leaving Brisbane and what impact that will have? Oh, look, you know, there's a good development program through Brisbane and I think um, Zilke probably looked like she could have a year or two left in her legs, but... She just obviously wanted to go out on a high. She only decided right before the game, if we win this, I'm out. Uh, whereas Lauren, probably for the last couple of years, she's already been working away from the field um, in development roles and um, and that's where she's going to move into. And she obviously did a bit of that when she was down here working for ASL Victoria as well. So um, definitely they'll stay in the game. But yeah, I think for um, Loz, just probably lost a bit of speed the last few years and, um, and you know, you, not so much playing midfield anymore. She's playing as a small forward or medium-sized forward and had a little bit of an impact that way. So, um, yeah, good to see them both go out on a high. Trace? And, Trace, do you reckon it's uh, best that um, that uh, Stasvich may take Lauren on as a, uh, some, in some sort of coaching role? I reckon, she, I reckon he might. Um, I'm fairly sure from the interviews that Lauren indicated that she's really loving living in Brizzy, so I wouldn't be surprised. That would be great because the Lions have not taken on a female coach in any form at all so far and um, would be a great boost for them. Um, and, yeah, just both of them. I thought Loz had her best year this year. Um, Emma Zilke's just been a great contributor since um, being a foundation player. So, yeah, good luck to both of them. They, is it correct they had eight original players? Only eight left, yeah, because they yeah. got stripped 16 in the expansion, which is See, a I, hot I still, topic I actually for thought that that was, um, I thought that was significant mm. in a good way. Eight players still remaining from um, the original team because, well, in other in other clubs they've retired, they've been delisted, you know, that I still think eight is pretty good. It's smaller than, I think there were 12 from, can anyone remember? 12 from the Crows who were still in. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, come oh, on, Port Adelaide. seven from season one that played in that premiership, but I could be wrong. Oh, I might be wrong too. Anyway, let's move along to other retiring yeah, players. Exactly. Trace, who do you want to uh, mention now? Oh, look, the Brizzy Girls is really what I wanted to mention. I'm sure we're going to talk about Shani Layton because you Pies fans are going to want to talk about that. So let's uh, let's mention Well, we're, I'm going to leave Shani till later. Okay. Um, <laughs> who else is yeah, there? The other, well, the other big retiree to mention, I think, is Astor O'Connor from Geelong who started at the Western Bulldogs. And, you know, she's another of those long-time dedicated servants of the game and um, – I well remember a long time ago, I think it was 2003, the national championships were in Darwin and she was playing as a very young kid, really, at Queensland. And Queensland at that point didn't have a lot in terms of footy development and they, you know, were bottom of the ladder in terms of national champs and she was decidedly the best player in their team. And the Victorians quickly gave her the nickname Big Fish, Big Fish in a small pond. And I very well remember her sitting next to me one day when we had a day off and she said, 
oh, hey, mate, um, can you just tell me why they call me Big Fish? <laughs> so we had an interesting <laughs> conversation about that. But, you know, I've watched her be a big fish really um, all the way through her career. She's really has been a, an outstanding player, a lot, for a, lot of, a lot of strength to the game and she could kick 50 metres on any given day. And, um, you know, she's she's quite a loss. But I think from all reports, she's going to move into a significant coaching role in Victoria as well. So maybe she we're was... starting to see these these retirees that have been around for a while in state league comps and then into AFLW actually step into those roles. You know, we want more women in the, in the game, in the, in the coaching game. Maybe we'll start to see that through ex-players. Yeah, so Asta was coaching in Darabin with, with you, Kiwi, wasn't she? Was she part of the coaching? No, that was Mel Hickey. Um, no, Asta was still playing then. Um, she has actually been involved. I do, here in the listeners, Phillips. I do know the difference. I just remember Asta was on the <laughs> She was, oh, she was on, on my the, the interview panel. She was on my. Interview I know panel. that too, but I, what I mean is, she was contributing. I thought she was contributing coaching um, from a coaching point of view. Uh, she may not have been actually on the coaching panel, but I think she was. She was uh, maybe she was in a semi quasi development role. Was she? I think. I think Just actually, yes, now that I recall, wait. she was. Um, she had. She had done a race year, hadn't she? Something. She was. Nope. She was, Okay, she, she a, over to you, Kiwi. <laughs> yes, let me speak. She missed a few games with a niggly knee injury, um, but no, she wasn't on our coaching panel. Panel. She's just one of the senior players around the club. But she, even that year, she was part of the Australian Academy Girls team. And her and Erin Phillips, they um, they call them um, like Team A, Team B. So one will be the 19s and one's the 17s. So um, they looked after the both of them, which is great for the young girls and their development that they're looking up to AFLW players and learning from them as well. And that's what Asta's going to continue doing is um, developing as a coach and working through the academies. And it's similar to what Lauren is doing up in Queensland already. She's um, in the in the academies up there at Quaffle. So um, absolutely. Mel Hickey, she's head coach of the uh, Vic Country under-19s. Uh, Emma Grant, who's one who retired last year with um, multiple concussions, is an assistant coach in the Vic Country panel. So, yes, you are seeing a lot of the retiring AFRW players starting to fill in um, coaching roles, which is um, exciting, exciting for the youngsters, exciting that they're passing on what they've learned and just tough for old coaches like me. <laughs> now, did you uh, uh, Just a something? couple of other retirees I'd collected over uh, at the end of the season uh, before the finals was um, the son, Sam Burgo. She's retired after 29 mm-hmm. games, uh, former Brisbane Lion, uh, Fremantle's Leah Maskell, who played 19 games, and St Kilda's Selena Carlson. She's only 22. She's had enough. She's moving on. <laughs> so <laughs> she might, she might want to get a full-time job, Nat. Yeah, um, imagine Sam- more, a, like paid job and regular hours. Yeah, yeah living wage is attractive. Mm. Mm. Yes. Um, Sam Virgo is another one doing her level three currently, so expect right. to see her in the coaching ranks up in Queensland as well. Yeah, great. So then let's move to Shani Layton, who was on the out, on Outsiders um, on the ABC on the weekend, just made it in apparently. She was very seedy. <laughs> <laughs> multiple celebrations. They've been um, drinking all so week. So Shani Layton has, has announced her retirement. And as I've said, who now is going to bellow from the other side of the field? What are we going to What are we going to do without her? Now, get Nat down there. Yeah, I can take her, her job if she needs any help down there. Um, now, the reason I wanted to talk about Shani last is that I wanted to talk about her comments about um, 
the the pay factor. So she said uh, that pay was a factor in her decision to retire. And uh, she was talking about how she, she could have played one more year, but then she'd be one year older and wanting to look at career prospects. Now, when the CBA was being signed, being agreed to and being negotiated, and there was a bit of a... Um, tussle about the the final terms Shani was one of the people who came out in support of the CBA as it, as it was and didn't want to support this this sort of um, contentious position that, that the band of four were were taking she was saying that uh, you know that the the game needs to develop before they can demand a living wage but now she's saying actually it's because she can't have a living wage that she's leaving so I'm a little, I'm a little bit peeved because at the time I felt as if she was in an enviable position with a with media work. This is outside. Once she left um, netball, she was doing a lot of commentating, um, and I, and she thinks she had done some boundary riding um, for AFLW as well. So I felt as if her position was quite um, quite. <laughs> Trace was just bouncing. Was that the bounce? Is that what that you were saying? Or you riding got... a boundary? I was words. doing boundary riding. I was riding a horsey along the boundary. <laughs> Anyway, so look, I mean, good honour, good luck to Shani, good luck to all of the all of the players who've retired, um, and yes, pay is a factor. Sorry, well, go Nat. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, her expert, regardless of what her thoughts were 12 months ago or 18 months, whenever that pay deal was done, she explained it really well, though, on the offside, yep. didn't she, saying like... You just can't do both. You can't play footy and have a regular job and pay the bills. She said she's lucky because she had been a professional full-time athlete and had, you know, money tucked away, but she's got to choose a job now that will get her going. Whether it's back in the media again, I'm not sure, but she just said, I can't do it again. If you're an 18-year-old living with mum and dad, unreal. It's the best comp in the world, isn't it? You know, playing footy and getting paid, but not if you're grown up and you've got to do grown up things. Yep. Yes, Isn't exactly. that um, also pretty much a reason why I'm pretty sure it's Tiana Ernst uh, gave up playing as well? She's mm-hmm. a doctor up and she moved yeah. up to Queensland. So yeah. um, the hours didn't allow. She couldn't take the hours and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. There's Very been a few now that we've lost to, um, um, what do we Actual call it? jobs. Pay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> living, a living wage, as I keep saying. A living wage, <laughs> it's, yes. It's, yes. Our it's that addiction we all have to food, clothing and shelter that uh, yeah. really gets us. Okay, let's move on. We, let's talk about Jeff Kennett, Emma Phillips. Whose idea, who's idea was that oh. to talk about Kennett? <laughs> well, he gets too uh, much of his own airplay. Indeed. So, do, why don't you start with Craig Starsevich and we can then move to Jeff Kennett. Do you want to talk about Starsevich, Trace? Well, or are you happy for me to? <laughs> well, I'm happy to intro. Well, Stasa is not keen for expansion, and we've talked about expansion before. But um, you know, he he'd like to see um, you know the teams uh, consolidate a bit. I kind of agree in a sense when you see the disparity between the the last four teams to come in and the rest of the performance this year. But um, there are a couple of arguments both ways, but I'm going to throw to you for Jeff Kennett's view of uh, getting the Hawks in, into that uh, competition. Yeah, look, it's an interesting point, isn't it? We have spoken about expansion quite a bit, so I guess let's not try and cover too much of old ground. But, you know, Kennett has really jumped up and down about Hawthorne getting a licence and getting that licence ASAP. And, of course, you can understand Stasevich's position not wanting to cough up any more players since they lost 16 players to expansion clubs over the past few years. Um, They really see it as a threat. Now, I think also, you know, Kennett described 
the idea of Hawthorne not getting a license is discrimination of the worst kind. And I, I sort of think that perhaps Kennett needs to get out a little bit more to experience actual discrimination. Uh, but anyway, he really is making a song and dance about it. Um, for my mind, you know, we go back, the competition started five years ago, but look, five and 10 years before that, we've spoken quite a lot about this as well in terms of the work that was done to get this competition going many, many years before it did. And there were, as, as we would have described back then, male clubs like North Melbourne and Richmond and the clubs that got their licenses doing a hell of a lot of work in the women's space, as they say. Um, and this is well before the competition started. So it's a little bit rich for Kenneth to now say, oh, looks good. That's great. You guys have done all that work. Let's get on board that and, and you know, cause a fuss like he's being hard done by at this point. It is very difficult to hear. So I think good on Craig Stasevich for saying, and his words were, back off. Yes. And I was reminded of the scared, weird little guys, that comedy duo from Melbourne who had, had a song called Bloody Jeff. I'm just going to read a little bit. I'm not going to sing it to you. Didn't have time to get the music. So um, this is a line. This is the chorus. Jeff Kennett's responsible for everything that goes wrong. You might think we're making it up, but the list goes on and on and on and on. And one thing on that list, I think, is that they didn't put in a bid when they could have right at the start. And now (laughs) they're ruining the day. Okay, quick. We need BNF tips. Only one each, I think. I can't cope with the pressure of having three. Oh, you know what? If you've got three, that's fine. I'm going to put my hand up now and say Kiara Bowers. Um, Lisa Kiwi Roper. Wait, you're on mute. Best way to hear her. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be a bad tip. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, Kiara Just going Bowers, for a Collingwood player, Brie Davies. She's going for. <laughs> Is that true, Kiwi? Go. Davey? We've got four minutes left. Um, yeah, I think Kiara Bowers. I think um, no one else is going to steal points. Um, problem with Davey is Benici would have taken early points off her. So, um, yeah, late run home, I guess. And Parker maybe for Giants is a, um, outside. Oh, yeah. Just, about to, just about to say that, Kiwi, because um, I think Kiara Bowers is in the box seat. But I think Parker, given the season she had and the season that they didn't have, um, will also go in a favour, so it could be a surprise. Wouldn't that be a turn-up um, for the book? I'm fairly certain that Parker consistently got over 30 or over 27 disposals a game, but um, has a higher average than Bowers. I don't think they won enough games, the Giants, for her to get the points, unfortunately. Mm, that could be true. That Depends how true. it's voted. And we've got to stop just rewarding possessions, though. We can't just get the best I and fairest on couldn't possessions. couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. True, but that is all the umpires sort of um, give a midfielders. Generally, very rarely give a forward or a defender the votes. And even on that, Kiwi, it's the run and carry players, not the in and under midfielders, not the ones who do the tough body work. It's the ones on the outside. Yeah, the ones they see the most. Run, run with the ball. <laughs> yep. It's very tedious and predictable. With the blonde hair. Okay, now. Yeah, well, you were talking about box seat for Kiara Bar- Barrows, the, you know, the one. Kiara um, But I've yep. got the box trifecta. Bree Davy, Kiara Bowers, and Elise Parker. Any of that little mixed bag, I reckon. So, and Rising Star, we're going to do the. I oh, am, sorry. Oh, my quick Who tip. Look, it's Kiara Bowers as well. I think she's going to romp it in, but I, can I just quickly mention that she shouldn't get it because that yeah, tackle was so dodgy. She should have had a week. Yeah, it's not cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> my yeah. two cents. WWE. It was. The, I was saying that I said that on Twitter. This is not WWF, World World Wrestling Federation, and you are not Roddy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, no, 
Nat, I was just holding up my box trifecta, which was exactly the same oh, as yours. Good so, on you. Um, you know, okay. it's probably we'll short some, odds. We'll go um, put some money on. And for those listening at home, it is on Fox Footy tomorrow night, uh, live uh, viewing of it if, for all those who are interested or in seeing what app. actually happens. Yep. The dub- Rising w- star, I'm going w- Courtney Rising Star, Courtney. Now, now, hang on. Courtney Hodder, don't, don't they have to – so she's only one year in at Brisbane Lions, is she? Is yeah, you can still works? be two years. You're just going to be under a set number under. of games. But, yes, yep. she is one right. year in. Right. Okay, that's where I was getting confused. She's I, yeah, received I, a nomination, hasn't she? Yeah, she did. She yeah. won it in about round four, I think. I think you're right, Kiwi. Yeah, I'm Mackenzie with you, Trace. I, want, I, oh, yeah. I agree with you, Nat. Mackenzie from Richmond. Yep. M, rising star? Uh, hotter also. And Kiwi, did you say? Yes. She's McKenzie a copycat from, from Ballarat. <laughs> I've got two others, Fitzgerald. <laughs> yep. Not uh, consistent and, and enough. Make okay. it quick. And make it quick. Long shot Dakota Davidson. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much. This is the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show. Catch us every Monday, 7 p.m. Actually, just one more next week. It will be our last. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the fifth quarter, um, which you, which you'll get at the on on the pod. Oh God, wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on socials because we're still going to be on there. And for the best of use in women's footy, tune in to, to the, the Coat Hanger. Welcome to the fifth quarter of the Code Hanger on 2SER 107.3. Just a few more topics to, to add to the pod. So earlier today, Coach Kiwi and I spoke to Donnie Hess from Donnie's Disposals. Donnie is the head coach for the Des Moines Roosters Aussie Rules football team. And uh, he's the AFL correspondent for the fourth long radio show. And so his own... Um, his own podcast is called Donnie's Disposals. We like that. So we had a good old chin wag with Donnie about the grand final and gave our thoughts about expansion and other things. So cheerio to you, Donnie. Thanks for um, following and supporting us. And hopefully next season we can have you on our show. In other news today, um, it's been announced that Wharf Radio is going off the air. Wharf Radio is the brainchild and wonderful, wonderful product of the mind of Peter Holden. Um, And as I made a note here, Peter Holden is finally going to have a little kip. He's finally going to close his eyes and have a little rest because the man never stops. Kiwi, do you want to add a few things? About oh, Peter look, you know, um, from from my point of view, I've only been involved with Worth Radio since 2018. Um, I actually remember watching a game of Victoria in 2017 and saw their setup, and um, they just commentated VWFL games back then, and a lot of it was under the Girls Play Footy banner um, before they changed their name to Worth Radio, which is Women's Australian Rules Football. Um, but, you know, he he does it himself. He does all the editing himself. His equipment he carries in a suitcase. He travels by public transport from field to field to his home place. Uh, and during the weekdays, he is phenomenal with his interviews. And he has interviewed um, so many Victorians who played VWSL and then uh, VFLW more recently he interviewed every single one of the 
original cross coders. I remember I think that show was about two and a half hours long, talking to all of them who were willing to give up their whole life, family, career to come to Australia for this um, at the time. Um, I think it was an eight week competition. Um, but, you know, and he has interviews with Canadians and Americans and, um, you know, Germans, Swedish. He's, he just is a phenomenal voice for women's football. And, you know, people around the world have been able to um, tell their story and what they're doing with women's football. Uh, the last couple of seasons, he's connected with the state football competitions around Australia so you know each week there'd be an update of what's going on with Sydney competition or update of what's going on with Sandful or an update with Quaffle and it's you know if you tune in regularly to his shows it's just incredible uh the actual content that he has and the people that you know he gets he gets coaches he's had administrators presidents and an absolute ton of players on the show and then the other side thing, which will continue for the rest of this season, is he um, provides commentary to a couple of VFLW games each week. This weekend, it's actually going to be three. And a lot of times, now this guy works for, he's got a full-time job. He, um, his job consists of shift work. So, for example, on, when did I see him? Sunday, he had come off night shift. He had had 30 minutes sleep. He had traveled by bus to the field, set it all up and ran this three-hour show for the Darabin Bulldogs match and then would pack up, go home, get a few hours sleep and then back to work. And that's part of the reason why he is um, going to have a bit of a hiatus with the show is, um, I guess, for his own health and wellness as well. Um, but he will continue the commentary and the commentary is really special is – you know, you start to hear some female voices now getting opportunity to do play-by-play, -play, and he has always invited female uh, guests on the show to do special comments. And, you know, there's been Debbie Lee's come on, um, Nicole Graves come on. I sat with her at a game. He's given me a chance to go do special comment. Um, and then, you know, players or people that want to come in who haven't been at the top level but want to grow in that in that um, sphere, he's given them an opportunity. Um, and, you know, so more recently you might hear voices of um, Julia Montesano, uh, Lucy Watkins has been doing it for a few years as he grows and develops them. And then a lot of his Wharf radio team have gone and done the Making the Call um, course. And then a chunk of them have also gone and done the ABC commentary course. And then there's one, at least one now from the ABC commentary course. I actually know this two um Gemma Bastiani and Sophie Fazzolini I think is her last name sorry Faz um have come from ABC into Wharf to gain some experience so he's willing to you know grow females and nurture them in that space and give them some guidance and skill but opportunity that not many people do and um you know the last couple of years he's tried to be a, to get into the AFLW space and do it that way and there was one station that offered him the spot and said, absolutely, you can come and, you know, use our feed, go through here, but you have to have one of our commentators do the show with your team and our guy must be paid. And Pete thought, well, this is fantastic. It gets us in at AFLW level rather than just VFLW. But if I'm paying anyone, I want to pay my team, not just your guy. 
And so he discussed that with us. And in the end, we all voted, let's not do it. So um, he's always looking out for his team and always looking out for females, giving them an opportunity and um, always just done this huge voice for female football, especially in Victoria, but female football across the world. And um, I think, I don't know, he's over, he's done over 2000 episodes. So um, I think that would make you tired. And I've probably talked for about 2000 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. I think I, I, I can't really add very much uh, to that Kiwi, but thank you very much for, for explaining for those who don't know who Peter Holden is and what Wharf Radio has, has represented for so many people. Um, I would just add two things. One that the coat hanger probably wouldn't exist without Peter uh, and without his encouragement. Um, and the other thing is that when everything shut down last year because of COVID, Pete reached out to us and other podcasts to check if we were okay and to offer to host us. Um, and it's just, it just speaks to the kind of guy he is. He's absolutely looking to bring women forward to elevate women and women's voices and we love him very much and we hope he has a good sleep <laughs> but i hope we haven't heard the last from you pete because uh you do great stuff you just gotta you've just gotta balance it and make it sustainable and maybe earn a bit of money from it hey a living wage wouldn't that be fun absolutely <laughs> and so for all those listeners tune in friday night he's doing the night game bulldogs and somebody else and that is on which radio station, Kiwi? It's, it's is it Sen? S E N? Or is it oh, Yeah, I, yeah. No, just go to the Wharf Radio, to Wharf radio Facebook and page, and he'll the link post the link. Because often mm-hmm. his commentary now goes overlapping the um, AFL Victoria YouTube feed, right. so it gets picked up that way. Okay, or so you can find it several 31. ways. It is worth listening to, and I certainly did. Um, to follow what Kiwi was doing in VFLW um, over over the years. All right, let's move on. So the preliminary final uh, that was between Collingwood and North, we went to the pub down the road from Collingwood, oh, from Vic Park to watch the Casey game, and we bumped into the Collingwood cheer squad. And amongst them was a gentleman by the name of Sean Elliott, who has organised um, a walk from the Holden Centre to the MCG to mark Anzac Day. And uh, and he asked if I would mention it, and I, I am mentioning it now, just in time for Anzac Day. So he says in his Facebook page, you can you can um, look it up. It's the, it's the yeah, just search for walk to the MCG. He said that uh, after the year we've had in twenty twenty. He's decided to organise a walk from the Holden Centre to the MCG. Anzac Day, 1pm on the 25th of April. That is Anzac Day. And it's to bring everyone out uh, so people can walk together and show respect and support. And uh, it's it's another another passionate thing for, for club members to do. Um, so I think that's a great thing. There's no charity attached to it as far as I know, but I'm sure there'll be some sort of opportunity to contribute and, and those who can should make it. So 1pm at the Holden Centre, 25th think, of April. Sorry, yeah, I think it was more about the connection and that um, they all felt such a disconnect being locked down last year in Victoria. So it was more about all the people going to the MCG game, just get along to the Holden Centre first and walk across together. Because you really, it's not a big walk, it's just across the road and um, over a bridge pretty much. But it is the whole thing of just connecting and being together, I think, is more what it's about. Oh, so there's a football match connected to the whole thing. 
course. He didn't actually mention that, but I suppose he assumed I knew because I was hanging out with the Collingwood, the Collingwood Cheers squad. And what an interesting crowd they were. Well, they were interesting. They were so sweet because we we photobombed their their big group photo. And then he pulled my leg and he said, oh, we were taking that for a a memorial thing. He I was, was so full of apologies, and he, yep, he had me. He, he was, it was that wasn't true at all, so it was fine. All right, so good, good luck with that, uh, Sean. So now the games are done. What comes next? Well, funny you say that, Fee. Coming up in about three weeks' time is when the trades. Uh, start opening so um, and this is where teams start to trade players for better draft picks uh, which is really important for obviously the Victorian teams the you know the draft currently for AFRW is still state based so obviously for Giants for Crows it really means nothing what their pick number is but for uh, Victorian teams, it is hugely important. For um, Brisbane, you know, they're probably, it's not really going to matter too much with Gold Coast and um, same with Frio and West Coast, probably, you know, less of an importance as it is for Victorian clubs. So um, May, May 12th is when um, the AFL board get together and are actually discussing whether to open up for extra teams or not. But that has to all go in um, consultation with the AFLPA and also um with knowledge of that CBA is locked in until um, the end of next year. So um, potentially, you know, you can't really enter a team in so soon. You kind of need about 12 months notice to formalise that formalize that list and strategy and coaching staff. So I would say probably the earliest you get new teams would be 2023. So the next trade period would really, I would suggest, evolve just involve just these 14 clubs and um, there's a few players that have been delisted that potentially could um, get some runs on the board at other clubs. Did you want to and name then, drop some of those? Well, um, there's a couple that haven't been announced, so I probably won't save their names. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, which is interesting that they've been delisted and not announced. Um, but also, I guess, depending on the states they're in, there's lesser opportunities too. Um, in in Victoria, you've had uh, Carlton have let go Ali Downey and Katie Loins. Uh, now I think they're pretty two pretty handy players that definitely you know could add something to a couple of other teams. You know Geelong is a very young side; they could be bolstered by the likes of um, Katie Loins and her experience out that area. Or well, maybe um, she should just go to Richmond and keep us all confused again. again. <laughs> Um, And, and, you know, Downey, you know, there's Geelong have their rucks retired, Collingwood, their ruck is retired. So there's opportunities there perhaps for Downey to um, pick up a a role as a tall. Um, She can play ruck. She did play a bit of ruck at Carlton, but she also played as a tall defender. So, um, you know, a bit of versatility. Her sister is at Demons and goes pretty well. So um, I'm sure she'll be keen to perhaps get, get picked up somewhere. Um, and then the interesting thing will be coming through the ranks is um, is Maddie Prasparkis' younger sister, Georgia Prasparkis. And certainly Carlton, Carlton have done a lot with including her in their train-on squad when they could. 
Um, she's been down there training um, the last couple of seasons for the limited time that the youngsters are allowed to train at AFLW clubs. So the connection has been made and, you know, certainly Georgia would want to probably play with her sister. Um, whereas Geelong would have the first pick in Victoria. So that's the interesting thing. Would Geelong want Georgia Prisparkis or can Carlton work a trade to get her? And I'm, you know, you kind of think of things, you go, well, Gold Coast have the good picks. So what kind of players would Gold Coast need? And, you know, pretty much they're going to need someone across every line. You know, they've had a couple of retirees. They've had some delistings. They have a coach who's retired as well. So um, there's a lot of opportunity there. Now, is here a chance for Gold Coast or Carlton? Gold Coast could lure this player. Carlton could perhaps push the likes of Taylor Harris back to Queensland. Uh, I think is a very big carrot to get that number one pick and then get themselves Georgia Presparkis. It's just an option. Um, and, you know, I think she'd go really, really well in the Gold Coast lineup. Um, you know, it, it could, you know, I think Taylor has developed quite a brand for herself down in Victoria so definitely that will now carry and she can continue that in Queensland and continue her boxing career and continue mm-hmm. working with her sponsors so yeah well that's a controversial call there, there coach Kiwi well there you go um <laughs> another one would be perhaps um Giants I think need to make a phone call down to Charlie Rowbottom is a real gun youngster coming um, draft eligible this year. Her brother plays for Sydney Swans and um, Giants could really do with a player of her. She's a great size midfielder. She's tough. I reckon she could even offer a bit of versatility as, um, as you know, a good body defender as well. But, you know, she's got a brother in Sydney. And Hook her up. He you must know, have a spare room. Flat together. <laughs> Uh, and that's, you know, perhaps what Giants have to do is just think outside the box a little bit if they want to um, get some real gun talent heading their way. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure, you know, if Hetherington will s- step down. She's probably, I think, coming to the season in better shape having last year off. But I think, you know, the last few years she's had a bit of a knee niggle similar to Astor's. So she'll probably be thinking along the lines of, um, you know, if she's got one or two years left. So um, there's an opportunity perhaps to get another defender in at Giants as well. But, um, yeah, there's there's some opportunities around for delisted players, without a doubt, even without the new teams coming in. That's just how I look at it. Interesting stuff and some controversy in there too, which I do like. Thanks, Coach Kiwi. Well, you know, it's always good to... Um, what do they say? They, throw, they say throw a cat amongst the pigeons, but, you know, let's throw a few cats in there. <laughs> a few Geelong cats, even. <laughs> but, yeah, certainly that's three, it's about three weeks away, I think, that we have to wait till, um, till all that fun starts. And, um, you know, and I, I definitely know already in the VFLW there's been players that are told, go back, play VFLW, play really well so you can keep your AFLW spot. So um, certainly now we see a lot of AFLWs 
dropping into the VFLW amongst their um, respective clubs. So, um, so interesting times going ahead for sure. Yeah, and so without the equivalent for the Giants here in Sydney, so they don't have a VFLW or they don't have a Sydney team, um, it's harder. If if Alan is saying to them, you need to show me that, that I need to keep you, where do they go? I mean, is, does he have to troop on out to whatever team they're, they're playing in in the Sydney comp, if they are? Well, exactly. It's, it's extremely challenging for the Giants players because if they drop back into the Sydney comp, and we will talk more about this next week, is it's just not anywhere close to the same level as the VFL or Quaffle or Sample. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, however, the Victorian players who play for the Giants, there's a big chunk of them that are going to come back and have a few matches in the VFLW. So they will get some quality matches. Um, and having said that, they, I would guess, are not the ones who'll be, you know, on the chopping block either. They are still the gun players. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so it's a bit of a mixed mixed bag in that way. Um, so whether I don't know whether they bring back a Sydney sider and say, hey, come play VFL for a few games and see how you go. Uh, it could be opportunity that way to, to develop them. But, yeah, I know, you know, p- potentially in the future with now the East Coast VFL version for the men that uh, was a combination of VFL and um, NEAFL that has now combined and is, again, called the VFL. There's, you know, perhaps there's a future where the Giants can enter a VFLW team. So um, stay tuned. I know they, they a legitimate did apply team, for yeah? a licence. Yeah, no, they did apply for a licence and they got knocked back last season. And, um, and the year before, they played their five exhibition matches. So, you know, they definitely want to develop the players and they want to do something through the winter. And, um, you know, so who knows? If they keep knocking on the doors, that could be something that could come in future seasons. Yeah. Watch this space. We are going to leave it there. Any final thoughts, M? Kiwi, I just do want to preview our final show, which will be next week on the 26th, Monday the 26th of April. We're going to focus on the Sydney Comp and Academies. Um, It's going to be a bit of a deep dive into the Sydney Comp and the Academies for New South Wales and Sydney-based players. What's working and what needs to change in development pathways for more Sydney players to get a Guernsey? Literally get a Guernsey! and play in the AFLW. Um, So uh, look out for that. We are reaching out to a few people to interview. I'm hoping to chat to Alan McConnell uh, and get his thoughts on it, and we're going to talk to a few other people as well. Thanks very much for tuning into the fifth quarter of The Coat Hanger, and we'll catch you for one more show next week. Cheerio. Tune in to The Coat Hanger.